0: Welcome to the Northridge Church Podcast, a weekly rewind of Sunday's talk. We are starting a new series today. It's going to be an eight-week series where we look at the promises of God. It's important for us to remember the things that God has said to us in difficult times, in tough times. And the reality is this. The reality is uh, there are, uh, if you look at the word promise or promises, you can find those two words over a thousand times in your Bible. Uh, Why is this? Because God is a promise-making God. Uh, We know that there are over 8,000 promises that God has made found in his scriptures. Now I'll be honest, I can't personally attest to that. I've not done the research myself and found all 8,000, but there are several several Bible scholars that will maintain that there are that many scriptures. Why is that? Because not only is God a promise-making God, our Lord is a promise-keeping God as well. The reality is this, if you hear nothing else today, And uh, you find yourself discouraged, you find yourself frustrated, you find yourself just uh, in a world of hurt. Know that the God of the Bible, Jehovah Rapha, that God, Jehovah Jireh, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of David, the God of Jesus, He has your back. He has not only your back, He has your front, He has your family, He has your life, He has your finances, He has your eternal destiny. And we can have hope and joy in that truth and that reality. Now, as we begin the teaching today, I want you to be aware of three facts, three facts to walk out of here with. And, and I'd also add this to you. Uh, you can find the notes. I, we're going to be going through a lot of Scripture today. We're going to actually be, usually when I teach, I try to have like one or two points, and that's it. we got, we got nine points to work through today, okay? We're going to go through those quickly. We're gonna, I'm not adding. We're not going to spend 10 minutes on a point, okay? Uh, we're going to go through them fast. And so I've created a note section You can actually get those notes by going to our Northbridge app. And at the bottom, I believe it's under news. You hit the news feed and you look through there and there will be a section for notes. Now, uh, there's some people that have Android versions of uh, the software that for whatever reason, there are some of the Android versions that do not pull that app up. A second way to pull the notes up is also going over to our QR code over there. Go to the QR code and that is the notes. The notes are found on that as well. Uh, so two different ways to get a hold of these notes for, the, uh, for today. Okay, so moving on, three facts to walk out of here with. First of all, uh, God wants us, He wants you and I to build our life on His promises. You see, there's a subtle difference there because a lot of times we believe that what God wants is God creates rules. and. He makes rules for us to live by, and we're to live our life based on rules. Well, when we do that, we're living under a Pharisaical way of doing life. We think that we can earn our own righteousness. We can earn our standing with God if we play by the rules of the game. But instead, he makes promises for us, and he's telling us to live based upon those promises. You see the difference? When we live out a rule that is set, then we're living under our righteousness, but when we live our life based on a promise that God has given us, we are living under His power. We're trusting in Him to do what He says He will do for us. Not only does He want us to live our life on, the, on His promises, the second thing that we need to think about before we even move forward any further is that understanding that when, when God makes a promise, there's two different types of promises. One is an unconditional promise. A second one is a conditional promise. There are many promises that God makes that are unconditional. No matter what happens, no matter what you do, uh, you cannot mess that promise up. Uh, you know, One that comes to mind is, is uh, that nothing can separate us from the love of God. So that's an unconditional promise there, that no matter where the believer, no matter what they do, no matter what they say, no matter what kind of attitudes they have, or anything like that, that God, God will, He will uh, take care of us he will be with us but then there's also conditional promises if the promises if you do this i'll do that if you stay in this way if you have this kind of heart then i'll take care of you in this way and we'll see today that there are both conditional and unconditional promises we're going to talk about in the subject to come and understand too a second a third thing that we need to walk away with is that, that god makes promises for us to us for two different reasons One, it's to teach us to trust Him in hard circumstances or difficult times. God is making promises so that we will learn to lean into Him, not in the easy times, but in the hard times. David says in Psalm 119 verse 50, he says, When I'm hurting, I find comfort in your promise that leads to life. The promise here is in hard times, when it's hurting, when it's difficult, there is God. And we lean on his promises. The second reason that God wants us to obey his promises, a second reason why God makes promises to us, is to make us more like himself. Make us more like himself. Uh, he, 2 Peter verse 1, Peter says this, he goes, God made these great and marvelous promises so that his nature would become part of us. That's found in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. The reason God is making promises, Peter says, is that as we follow his promises, we begin to gain the same kind of heart, the same kind of spirit, the same kind of mind that Christ has, that God has. So today, we're going to begin with the subject. We're going to start with, with one subject. There's, For the record, there's thousands of promises we've already said, uh, but we're going to only have time to talk about eight different subjects in the next eight weeks. So we're not obviously looking over Every every promise, but we're going to try to hit as many promises as we can in this eight weeks. And so we begin today with the subject that has the most promises found in Scripture. Uh, can can you guess? Can you guess what that subject is? What do you think it is that, that God has made more promises about than anything else? Any ideas? It's silent. No one wants to take a guess. I'll tell you this: it's it's not over prayer. Believe it or not, prayer does not have more promises. It's not faith. It's not the subject of love. It's not about patience. It's not about uh, sharing your faith, believe it or not. Instead, today, the subject we're going to talk about that has God talking more about this subject than any other subject is over the subject of generosity. Generosity. God speaks more about generosity with your finances and with your time and with your treasures with your talents, than he does with anything else. And so what we want to do now is very quickly, I'm going to just talk to you and share with you out of the Bible, out of Scripture, nine rewards that God promises to you and to I if we learn to be generous with our resources, to be generous with our money. Uh, Important area, because we so often don't talk about this and we miss out on God's blessing in so many areas or in such a big context here. So let's just, uh, I got basically 20 minutes to cover this. So we're going to go fast and furious. So be prepared. The first thing that I want to talk about here, the first promise that comes to mind God promises good things will happen to me. When I am generous with my resources, when I'm generous with my money, God promises good things. To happen Now, why does God make all of these promises to begin with about money? Why do we even take the time to have to talk about that if we give to our church, if we give to people around us, if we are generous with our resources, that good things will happen? Why do we do this? Well, because I'm convinced it's a simple fact that giving is hard, right? It's hard. Because we just naturally want to just take everything that we get because we don't know if there's going to be a lean year. We don't know if there's going to be a lean season or a hard time or a time of famine. So it only makes sense to just keep everything that I can, I can bring into my coffers for myself and for my family. It only makes sense to, to say, I want to spend everything that I make and everything that I earn on the people I love the most. And God is there saying, hey, If you you are generous with your money, good things will happen. Proverbs 22, verse 9, uh, the writer says, Generous people will be blessed. Psalm 112, David says this, he says, Good will come to him who is generous. The reality is, you you want good things in your life? Honestly, generosity is a key that unlocks the door to good things being in your life. A second promise that God makes. God promises, not only will I be blessed, not only will good things happen to me, but God says that my children will be blessed as a result of my generosity. Psalm 37, verse 26 says, the godly are always generous, and their children will be a blessing. Their children will experience the blessing that, that David talks about. Think about your generosity is not just giving to other people, but it's an inheritance for your kids to experience. One of the things about the Turner home is I want DAX, Dana and I both want DAX to experience a mom and a dad who aren't hoarding, a mom and a dad who will push friends away in order to build a little bit higher bank account, a mom and dad who spend everything on ourselves, but we never think of people around us. We never think of God's church, we never think of people that are in want. But instead, we want Dax to experience a mom and dad who, who will always be, A, financially wise and good stewards of their homes and will make sure to provide for our home, absolutely, but also a mom and dad who will, who will be a blessing to the world around them. And we believe that when Dax sees that, that builds his heart and that grows him. A third promise that God makes in the area of giving is that God promises he will bless my work and my business. You want your business to do well? You want your, your job to go well? You want to be that go-to person at your work? You want to be that person that other people depend on and count on? You want to be the guy or the woman where the boss or the owner says, that person is someone I can trust with more and more of my resources. Then be a generous person. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 says, Honor the Lord by giving him the first part of all your income, then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will overflow with the finest of wine. What's, what's uh, Solomon talking about here? Solomon's talking about the, the, the biblical principle of tithing, giving your, your first 10% of what you make back to God. And what's God's promise? He says, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fill your barns up and I'm going to make sure the vats that hold your wine have plenty of wine in them. Now, most of us, raise your hand if you have a barn at home. There's a couple of people here. Jeff has a barn. Jeff has a barn. Glenn's not in here right now. He has a barn. Most of us don't have barns. Most of us don't have, you know, for being a Southern Baptist church, we don't make a huge deal about alcohol or drinking. I probably would have a problem if I find out someone here at the church has a vat for their wine. I probably would go to their home and say, you might have a drinking problem if you have to have a vat in your backyard to have all of your wine, all of your beverages, adult beverages. Um, but, but in this case, this was a, a, a winery, a uh, person that, that made wine to sell it. He had a vat. Most of us don't have barns. Most of us don't have vats. But what we do have is bank accounts. We do have resources to store the things that we earn, our finances. And so we can, we can do a direct correlation from barns and vats to bank accounts. We can do a direct correlation to barns and vats to the worth and the strength of the businesses that we work for, the places we go every day to earn a living. And God promises, hey, you bless, you be a blessing and I will bless your work. A fourth promise that God makes for generous people is that he promises that we will be happier. God says, I will make you happier as you have a generous heart. Acts 20, verse 35 says, remember the words of our Lord Jesus himself, who said, there is more happiness in giving than receiving. You remember the age-old debate that all of us had as children, that our parents, when when, Christmas time comes around and the excitement of seeing those packages start forming underneath the Christmas tree. And I remember as a kid for myself, I get man, I'd get that rush, that adrenaline rush hit me when I would see those gifts start piling up for Tony, little Tony's name on it, got me real excited. You know, one of the things that got me frustrated is when I would see a gift with, with maybe a neighborhood kid's name on it that my parents were buying a gift for. And I would say, mom, why are you, why are you buying a gift for little Jimmy Valeroy? Jimmy doesn't need a gift. Well, you know, truth be told, Jimmy, Jimmy didn't have both mom and dad at home, and things were a struggle for them uh, in their home. And uh, my mom would take note of that and take care of some other kids on our block that just weren't going to have the same kind of Christmas I had. My mom, uh, you know, she didn't, she didn't apologize to me. She would just say, Tony, you know what? It's better to give than it is to receive. And you know what little 7- and 8-year-old Tony would say? Ball, ball! It is not as better to get. Give me more. Give me more, right? I want more. What's the difference? Because I can tell you right now, I have more of an attitude like my mom had than I did as, than I do as little Tony Turner had. What's the difference here? Maturity, right? Maturity. If you and I sit back and go, I don't buy that. It's better to give than to receive. I don't buy that. Well, that shows a mat- an immature heart versus a mature heart, friends. And a mature heart says this, they understand that when we give and we're able to give out of our resources, we will be happy people for doing that, because it's a mark of maturity. Okay, we're doing great on our time. A fifth promise here, God promises that my influence will increase. Proverbs eleven twenty four says, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Hey, do you, want, do you want more people to feel your presence in this world? Do you want more people and just a larger territory where you can speak into, you can give insight to people, you can, your influence will be felt by more and more people around you? Then you know what? Your influence will increase as you are more and more generous. And according to this promise, this is one of those conditional promises. If if you are a generous person, expect that your influence is going to be felt in a greater and a wider capacity. If you are a stingy person, then know that your influence is going to shrink and shrink. Boy, a perfect illustration is just doing the life story of a Christmas Carol, right? And you can see Ebenezer Scrooge when Scrooge, when he wasn't giving and he was stingy. How many people wanted to be around him? How many organizations would come to seek out his help or his influence? And then when his heart changed. See the family that was around him. See the people that were around him. See the organizations that came to him as a result. Why is that? Because my influence will increase as I am a generous person. The sixth promise now is that God promises I will end up with plenty. If I am a generous person, I will have everything that I need, friends. You see, that's one of the greatest excuses we throw up when we talk about not reasons why we don't give, reasons why we don't tithe. Because I won't have enough, I will not have enough. And yet God's word says, Jesus says in uh, Luke chapter six verse thirty-eight, Jesus says, "Give and it will be given back to you in full measure, meaning the fullness that you need will be given to you if you give. What you receive will need to be pressed down and shaken together, but it will still run over and be poured into your lap. The way you give to others is the way God will give." To you. In other words, here's what Jesus is saying the cliff notes you can't outgive God. You see, the reality is, I depend on God to be generous with me. I realize that, yeah, I'm a smart guy and, yeah, I have a strong body, but ultimately I stand at God's mercy to put me in a position where where I will draw a check. And I don't care what you do for a living, you can earn a living with your hands and with your back. You can earn a living with your mind. You can earn a living with the resources that you have by investing in the stock market. The reality is, no matter how you're earning a living, we are trusting that God will take care of us and put us in a position where we can continue to earn that living. And I have to trust that God will give me plenty. He will give me plenty. The image that Jesus makes is he's, he's given an image of a market. And many of us, we don't go into an open-air market, so we just don't understand this. But, but when he's talking about you will receive what you need, it will be pressed down, it will be shaken together. He's given this image of this lady who goes into the open-air market to buy grain for her family. And she has a sack. And so what does she do? They, her and, and, the, and the owner of that grain, they make a deal of, okay, I'll, you, whatever, whatever you can fill in the sack uh, for a shekel. And so she has this bag, and they're pouring grain in and what does she do? She tamps it down, and she pushes it down with her hand. She shakes it to make sure she can get every particle of grain into that into that bag. And she keeps on pushing it down and pushing it down and so that she gets as much as she can possibly have in that bag. And that is the imagery that Jesus gives saying, as you give, know that God, you can, you can bring your grain sack to God. You can keep on pressing it down as tight as you can to make sure you get every possible blessing. And guess what? He will still overflow your bag so that it's running into your lap. Why is that? Because we can trust that when we are generous at heart, God will give us what we need. He will give us plenty because we cannot outgive God. The seventh promise here, seventh promise is that God promises to meet all my needs. Paul tells us in Philippians chapter 4, he says, I want you to have the good that comes from giving. I want you to have the good from giving. Because he goes on and says, my God will use his wonderful riches In Christ Jesus to give you everything that you need. Here, understand this, friends. God does not need your resources. God doesn't need your stuff. See, a lot of times we think, well, God just God wants me to give because He needs. If, If I don't give my portion, then somehow God is wanting. No, that's not the reality of it. God, God will find generous hearts. If you choose to be a stingy person, God will overpass you, bypass you, go around you. He will find a generous person. I used to say, Dave, this is an area I've grown in the last several years. One of the blessings of the COVID season taught me so much about faith in God. Taught me when we have to shut down our physical gathering and just go to streaming, that God's people will be generous, that God will provide. And through that season, when I was thinking and beginning to batten down the hatches and being a responsible leader and leading our team to say, hey guys, we're gonna have a season potentially where we're gonna be in extreme ones because we're not gonna be meeting together. We're gonna see our uh, decrease in our income streams here. So let's be prepared and let's be wise stewards. You know what we saw? The exact opposite, friends. We saw the exact opposite. We saw the best year of giving that we've had in probably a decade. Get that around your mind. Get that around your mind. And, and I share that not to be proud, not to be a braggart of our body, of this organization, of this church, of you, but to share that I recognize that God will bless his people. When his people are generous, he will bless them. And so, so I even share that with confidence of saying, you know, if a member of our church chooses not to be generous, that's okay. I, I'm not beholden to that person. I don't have to be terrified wondering what's going to happen to our bottom line, what's going to happen to our income streams, because I realize that God will provide richly to His church. He does not need your giving. So why do we give? Well, again, as I've said this before, we give because He wants us to learn how to trust Him and to become more like Him. And I'm going to tell you, it's pretty difficult to say you trust in God to protect you uh, from this world. It's pretty difficult to say you trust in God to bring you to heaven when you die, when you say, I can't trust him to take care of my, my bills today. If you say, oh, I trust God to take care of my eternal life, but I don't trust him with my resources uh, here on earth. Friend, I'm going to tell you what, you really don't trust God. You don't trust him. Maybe you're a religious person, but you're not trusting in his providence, you're not trusting in his power. And that is the reason why God asks us to be generous people so that we will learn to trust him in a very tangible, real way. And also, it's to teach us to be more like him. Why is this? Because God is a generous God. God gives to his people and to this world richly. And so, if we're going to become more and more like God, we are to be more and more generous. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7 says this. It says, you should give as you have decided in your heart to give, never giving reluctantly or under pressure, because God loves the person who gives, what? Cheerfully. He loves cheerful givers. Then God will generously provide for you. That's not Tony's version. That is the Scriptures here. God will generously provide for you so that in all things, at all times, You'll have all that you need and plenty left over to give more to every good work. Why is this? Because God promises he will meet our needs as we are people of generosity. The the eighth promise here, as we keep on moving forward, God promises he will multiply what I give him. Now, I want to stop right now because this is a provocative teaching, and I could go one of two ways. And you're waiting for me to go one of two ways here. The way that most of us will go to is you'll hear me saying, hey, you give, God will multiply that for you. And you know, there's this, there's this school of thought, primarily in a lot of non-denominational Pentecostal churches that have this, they call it a sevenfold principle. And you'll hear these pastors say, if you give something, God will multiply it seven times to give it to you, give it back to you. And, uh, and and so you know you do the math. You give $10, you're going to get $70 back. Hey, that sounds like a great return. I'll take that return, right? That's not what we're talking about here. That's not the promise that God gives us. And so that's not what I'm espousing, that's not what I'm I'm telling you that if you give, God will give you plenty. I'm not saying that he'll give you seven times or he'll multiply in your in his giving to you. But he will multiply what you give. Who does he multiply it to? Oftentimes to the end user to the person who is needing that gift. You know, think back, think on your biblical history here. Think about the little boy who gives some, some loaves of, of bread and some fish, and Jesus multiplies that to go to feed a large crowd of people. Think of those times Dave can attest to small gifts that come to Victory Mission and the idea of how is this going to cover, you know, what? I don't know what it is up to now. When I was there, it was about $15,000 that had to come in every two weeks to pay the staffing. Uh, How's God going to take this little old lady who gives a gift of $5 a month, uh, how's that going to be used to expand in such a way to cover all of these people's salaries? Guess what? It happened every time. It happened, God would multiply those little gifts to the end user to bless them. Uh, going on in Second Corinthians chapter nine and verse 10, goes on, Paul is saying, "Just as God gives seed to farmers and bread for food, God gives you a supply of seed when He makes it grow, so there's a great harvest from your generosity, and God will make you rich enough to be generous at all times." Yeah, so he's using this farming analogy. Now the reality is, we don't have to be farmers. None of us have to be farmers to understand that when someone when a farmer plants one kernel of corn, he does not get one kernel back, does he? That would not that farmer who's getting one for one would not stay in business for very long. But that one kernel of corn represents three or four ears of corn. So literally 100, 200 times What he is planting is what he is getting back. Uh, He is being, that's the metaphor that Paul is using here, saying that as we plant, as we give, as we give our resources, as we are generous people, know that it's not a one for one, that that person who is being blessed only receives what it is that you've given. But oftentimes, God multiplies that. So the effect that you have, that you've given, uh, goes an incredible way. Think of it this way, our going global uh, uh, budget, our going global uh, tool that we have in which people give resources to bless the world around us. Many people fund that by giving $10 or $15 a month. And it'd be easy that when you give that $10 or $15, you go, ah, this doesn't really go a long way. Oh no, you realize that that money is going to, to help people on five different continents. That money is going towards missionaries in five different continents, some closed countries. That money is going to to reach people. That money is going to feed people. That money is going to educate children. That money is going to help build clean water and give clean water to a a tribe in Mexico. That That money is going to feed people in Nepal. That money, that $10 you go, it gets multiplied and distributed in incredible ways. An eighth promise here. God promises he will multiply what I give him. We've talked about that already. The ninth promise is God promises that my giving is stored up in heaven. 1 Timothy chapter 6 verse 18 says, "Use your money to do good and give generously, always being ready to share with others whatever God has given you." By doing this, you will be storing up real treasure for yourself. It is the only safe investment for eternity. You see, here's the reality we need to think about, and maybe some of us need to switch. Some of us think that if I give, if I'm giving, if I'm being generous, what am I doing? I'm just throwing money out into the wind, just throwing it into the wind. I'm never going to see that return. I'm never going to see that come back. But Paul is telling Timothy that by us giving, we're not giving away, but what we are doing is we are investing. We are investing. I, like most of you, are being very responsible knowing that one day I do not want to work as hard as I do today. Some of you say you don't work very hard today. Well, maybe. I don't know. That's another another sermon. That's another debate that we can have down the road. Still, the point being is there's a day that I don't want to have to go to the office five days a week if I don't want to, right? So what do I do? I invest in my retirement accounts, knowing that the day is going to come, that that investment will pay off, and I will be able to basically, if I want to work on a day, I'll work on a day. If I want to stay home on a day, I'm going to stay home on a day. If I want to go with Dave and play golf on a day, I'll go play golf with Dave on a day, right? I'll do what I want. Many of us, are investing and, and working very hard to invest in our retirement, and yet truth be told, you're totally ignoring about a greater time that you will spend in eternity that you are investing nothing in, nothing in. Because right here in Scripture, Paul is making it very clear that by, that when we are generous people here on earth, that money just doesn't go into the wind, but instead it goes into a safe investment in which we will be able to collect upon it in eternity. And let me tell you one way we're going to collect on it. No, you, those of you who are in church, you can hold your, you can breathe easily. We're not going to do something hokey like play Ray Bolts. Thank you, and you know, and make you write, you know, show you pictures of Aborigines in Australia or anything like that, and you know, say, you know, make you feel good about that. But the reality is, the reality is there, in that. One day we're going to be in eternity, friends. And you know, there's many people who I know this church touches. That there's no way for us to have a clue how we touch them and who they are. You know, there's there's people in Africa right now who some of them are dying from AIDS, and they have one kid, two kids, three kids, four kids, and they're the last parent at home and they don't know what's going to happen to their children because they don't live in a country that has a social net to take care of their children. And they go to a place like like Front Porch Ministries that cares, it's a hospice that cares for those dying of AIDS in their last days. And then they also make a promise to those people dying saying we will take care of your children. We will be there for them. We will help them find parents. We will help them Find education. We will help them find a home. And it's our pleasure, it's our honor that we've gotten to partner with that ministry for over a decade now. And honestly, friends, I don't know a single person who we've helped there. I've read about some of their stories, but I don't know them. But I'm confident that one day we're going to see some little boys and some little girls. And of course, by that time, they'll be grown men. And they will meet us. They will meet us and they will say, you know, it's Because of your church's generosity, we had a a chance to hear the gospel of Christ. Because of your church's generosity, we had a chance to be fed and be educated and and have a chance to have a a good life. Thank you. Thank you for that. And not just that ministry. I can tell you of the feeding station in Nepal. I can tell you about the local things, the fact that we've had a privilege of partnering uh, with the Pregnancy Care Center for 15 years now, and I think of how many children, how many children are saved today because of not just one church, but many churches, and not just many churches, but many individuals who will say, okay, maybe I can't stand in the front and do sex education in schools. Maybe I can't stand there in the gap and talk to those mothers as they're in the middle of a crisis, but we can at least give and help empower other people to do that. And I wonder how many How many people are going to come up to us as individuals when we're in the kingdom and say, thank you. Thank you for being generous. Thank you for helping. Thank you for for allowing your resources to be used in greater ways than just building a person's personal wealth. Thank you. Why can we talk about that? Because we know that God promises that our giving is stored up in heaven. As we bless others, as we help resource kingdom purposes and kingdom tools, know this, yeah, your, your generosity should be quiet amongst us. We work very hard to create an environment in our church where we're not lauding people who are big givers and castigating or putting down people who won't or can't give, don't give. We work very hard to create an environment where everyone who walks in those doors are loved, no matter what their bank account says, or no matter what their giving habits are. But I will say this, friends, that there are many of us who, when you are in heaven, you, your bank account there will be anemic. It will be poor. It will be non-existent. And then there are some people here that maybe would never be described as wealthy on this planet. On this earth, you're not gonna go to, to Tahiti this year. You're not gonna have three or four vehicles for your two member family. But, friend, I would say to you, you in the kingdom of heaven are a rich person because of your generous heart and your generous spirits. And you are building up an incredible portfolio for yourself. So, as we conclude today, I just simply ask the question do we believe these promises? Do we believe these promises? It's one thing to say, oh, yeah, 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 I believe them. Well, here's how you know if you believe them or not. You believe these promises if you are a generous person. If you are working in your generosity, if you're growing in your generosity, if you find yourself working every year to, to become more and more generous, then I can t- say that you are you are a, uh, you are a person that honors and believes these promises. If for you, you're trying to hoard and keep everything to yourself because you just don't know if you're going to have enough in six months from now, no, you probably don't believe these promises. And here's what I would say to you. A starting point in your generosity is begin the practice of tithing. Uh, we have read about that practice uh, Earlier on today, the practice of taking the first 10% of your income and giving it away, giving it to your, your, uh, your church, giving it to a body around you that will use it for good purposes. We conclude with Malachi chapter 3, one of the best passages that teaches us about giving and what it means. And Malachi says this, he's talking to the people of God. He's talking to Israel as they are in the process of rebuilding their temple and, and Malachi is speaking on behalf of God. God is, is whispering through Malachi's ears to him, and he's speaking what he's hearing God say. And he says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. Think about that, friends. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offerings, you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And I confess to you, for someone who does not give, someone who is not generous with their resources, it is scary. It is like jumping out of an airplane the first time wondering, will this parachute Will this parachute work? Well, first of all, Fred, I can tell you right now, I look around at many faces here who are generous people, and I would say, lean into those stories. There's a lot of people in this room that would say, yes, God honors. God honors. God takes care of his people. God gives plenty. God is not going to lie about these promises that he has made in Scripture. And so I would say this to you, just test God. Test God in it and see if the things that I've talked about, the things that are in his scripture, see if, he, if they're true as you become more and more generous, generous in life. I can tell you I'm not there yet. I'm not as generous as I believe God would want me to be. But every year I grow in that. Every year I'm able to just continue to take a couple of steps forward in my generosity and how I give of my time, how I give of my treasure, how I give of my talent to those who need it and to the church. Let's pray. And maybe your prayer is my prayer right now, and I'm not asking you to to pray it behind me, but you just say, yes, God, I agree with this. And Father, we, we acknowledge to give, to be generous with our finances, it's scary. It's scary to do that, God. So help us to push through the fear. Lord, we recognize that the same God, the same God who died for us, the same guy who, God who rose from the dead, the same God who ascended to heaven, the same God who promises to return to collect his church is the same God who made these promises. God, I want to trust you with everything. And so my prayer is to grow, grow me in the art of being a generous heart, the spirit of being a generous person, a generous man who lives in a world of ingratitude, in a world of selfishness, for your glory, for your namesake. These things we pray in your son's powerful name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Northbridge Church Podcast. If you'd like more information about Northbridge Church, you can find us online at mynorthbridge.org.